David. Hannah. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's good morning to all you lovely listeners at home to yet another episode of the podcast that we are so cleverly and ingeniously that everyone has to ask what it means. Entitled David. What's that smell? You thinking again? That's right. And you said it like an air horn there. That was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, so uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Connor. How are you doing? I am okay, man. How is the weather in Wisconsin today? Um, pretty cloudy out. Um, it's uh, like 72. I think it's raining or about to start raining. I don't know. It's been like, the weather's been kind of crap recently. I don't know. How's yeah, I gotta, yeah, I got to agree with that one, too. We got hit with a pretty rough storm a couple days back, and now it's just kind of been periodically on and off raining. Uh, it's not. It's been looking pretty, pretty glum out. Uh, not gonna lie, but you know, I won't complain. It's it's nice enough, and I, I don't really need to leave the house, so I don't know why I'd complain. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's it's not anything crazy. It's not like it's truly storming or you know in any way truly depressing. It's just kind of you know there. Uh, so that's fun. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel as though the weather. <laughs> The weather should not reflect the mood of the day, you know? <clears throat> Make your day something spectacular, you know? It doesn't matter what the weather is. Uh, just had to spit some bars there. Anywho, uh, this week, we're I felt like top, diving into a topic that I feel like we've kind of touched upon in a bunch of episodes, but never truly given the full time of day to. Uh, and that is the Disney Renaissance period. Uh, if you don't really know what this is, uh, if you're, you know, just not in the uh, animation community or just, you know, weren't around in the 90s. So there was a stretch from 1989 to 1999 where Disney kind of just made banger after banger after banger. Top and they off. made like, yeah, right. They made pretty much every modern classic that you think of when you think of Disney. And it was like a full stretch of it. And it was weird because it's kind of capstone or start it's it's like beginning and or before and after the 90s i should say was they were kind of you kind of had these dead periods it's kind of funny actually where disney kind of didn't do much in the 80s because they were kind of having a problem after uh they were kind of trying to have a problem with identity and trying to figure out what they were going to do with the company in the 80s and then the 90s was good but then the 2000s was kind of their you know dead period again where they couldn't figure out what they're going to do with their animation you know keeping it hand drawn or go cgi so it's kind of this really weird kind of uh phase in the 2000s so like the 90s were like literally like the oasis in the desert you know like it was before and after it was not nearly as good as the 90s and it's kind of odd we have to ask ourselves why you know um but real quickly i want to pose it to david is like what's what do you think is a common trend of the 90s movies that you felt kind of linked them all together into the quality like what were they doing right you know yeah <clears throat> for sure um so yeah, when you think about the, I guess, the Disney renaissance, you could call it, um, I kind of mentioned that stretch of time where you get all those modern, or I guess not modern, but like, this They're classic, moderner. yeah, those moderner um, <clears throat> animated classic films, you know, um, and, you know, I think it's a really good question asking, you know, why, like, what, what good, like, why are they deemed, you know, these classics, right, among, I guess, um, I guess societal standards, I guess, you know, we can kind of link two episodes with this, you know, the nineties episode and the uh, classic episode that we did. And even the Disney animation episode we did. Yeah. I think three episodes. 
check out all three of those episodes, guys. Um, Our episodes, these we're just gonna start devolving into plugs. Like every episode, <laughs> just gonna be like, go listen to this episode, that episode, this episode, and this episode. We're, we're gonna be like a, a playlist. <laughs> we're just gonna be like compilations at this point. It's like, <laughs> okay, guys, uh, if you want trends about animation, watch episodes 6, 12, 19, and 32. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. <clears throat> uh, anyways, like I was saying, um, I think what makes these uh, films, the, the, the stretch of films, so special is that <clears throat> I just think that I think I think one of the things is they came out it was just like a right time and a right place for it. Now, let, me, let me explain what I mean by that. So I feel like in the nineties, as I kind of discussed in the nineties episode, it was a it was kind of a a shifting time period from the eighties. You know that you know we had these big um, blockbuster films in the eighties. But then things started like shifting in the '90s, you know, you know, more of a rise of animation and uh, popularity of it. Um, and I think that these films were really, um, I guess, the the trailblazers of what quality animation and storytelling can be. You know, they're they're family friendly. They they have a good storyline to follow. Um, I I just think it works on a multitude of levels, you know, and a lot of these were actually musicals, right? And they had fun sing-along songs that you could, you know, jive to. Um, I, I just think that they really connected to people, right? And a lot of people that feel nostalgic towards these movies were kids when they were coming out or were kids when they watched these films because they were family films, right? And you probably went out and saw these films with your family, or you watched a, a DVD version of it uh, as a kid, you know. Because I'm like, yeah, if, if you grew up in in, a, in the United States, most likely you watched one of these films as a child, and now feel at least a little bit nostalgic towards it. Just you know, reminiscing on the pleasant memories that you've had, the fond memories of you know, watching Aladdin soar through the sky on a carpet or, or watching The Lion King, the Pride Rock, you know, it's, it's like these amazing stories, right, that just really resonate and connect with people. Um, it, it's, I don't know, it's just, I feel like it's unparalleled, you know. It, it's something that, you know, as of, I, up to that point, we haven't really seen before. We haven't seen really animation of this quality and tier before you know like it was unique stories of top tier um <clears throat> cinema you know which is, which is awesome right i think it really broke the mold for uh animation the way animation could be absolutely i gotta agree with that one um and i'll i'll uh, back up what you're saying for a little bit of history because i'm a you know big nerd i know a couple things so uh, let's look in the 70s and 80s right uh, Disney was kind of in a rut because Walt Disney died in 1969, I believe, or at least that late 60s era. I apologize, I don't have the exact year. And once Walt Disney died, Disney didn't really know the company, didn't really know what to do because they didn't know if they should start trying to go 
branch off and start doing things on their own or just kind of try to stick as closely to what Walt Disney did. So that's when you got like uh, Robin Hood and Fox and the Hound and stuff and Sword in the Stone. Actually, not Sword in the Stone. I think that one was like late Disney, but uh, late Walt Disney. But the point is there was a lot. There's there's this phase where they didn't really know what they were going to do. A lot of the ideas for movies they did were scraps of ideas that Walt Disney considered doing but never did. That's what, like, Robin Hood was, and that's what Fox and Hound was, and just one more I'm blanking on, uh, Rescuers. Uh, but then Black Cauldron came out, right? That was the first Disney movie that uh, they truly worked on on their own, like, without any influence from, Di- from Walt Disney and his plans. This was their, that was their first big attempt at it, and needless to say, it didn't go very well. Black Cauldron was kind of this huge, kind of mismatchy, kind of dark movie, but not really that dark. It was this really weird film because no one could figure out what exactly they wanted it to be. And after that failed, Disney kind of got scared, right? They were like, maybe we shouldn't do animation. You know, maybe Walt's era was the end of animation for us. And they started going to more live action movies. That's why there was a lot of live action movies that Disney did in the 80s, you know, with like uh, Flight of the Navigator and Flubber. And Flubber was 90s. Uh, there's, there's a lot of these like live action comedies. Uh, that you've never action. heard of before? Yeah, Incredible Journey that are... Uh, Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. There was a lot of these live action movies and not a lot of them did very well. Honey, I Shrugged the Kids. That was the one I was thinking of. Sorry. That's the one I got mixed up with Flubber. But there was just a lot of these and they were all kind of this reaction to, uh, reaction to, you know, animation not doing well. Uh, well, when, you know, Little Mermaid came out, right? That was the first one in the Renaissance that truly kicked it off. I think you can note some differences between their animation uh, of the past in their animation this time. Uh, let's think about like those original animated movies, right? Like the Walt era animated movies, you know, Jungle Book, you got Cinderella, you got Sleeping Beauty, all that. Think about like what they kind of were, right? They're very short. They were, their leads were always kind of bland. Like they were, they were fill-ins, you know, kids could put themselves into that situation, right? They were not super distinct characters. The, the stories were always very low brow and they weren't very, you know, world ending. They were always very simple stories, very basic stories. And they were very, they were not very story oriented, right? Like movies like Alice in Wonderland and uh, Snow White, there isn't a lot of plot. Like it's just kind of stuff happening for a while. So that was kind of Disney's formula and it worked really well. It's a great way to kind of get these little bite-sized stories in a way that's digestible to both families, to both adults and kids, right? Well, when, when these movies started coming out, like the, the Disney Renaissance, you noticed a lot of those trends kind of being thrown out, right? You notice the lead characters starting to become very distinct characters. Like they aren't villains anymore. Like they actually have personality and aspirations that kids can relate to they're just not necessarily as bland, so you couldn't really put yourself in that situation, right? Uh, the musicals got bigger. Like, the music numbers got a lot more, you know, a lot bigger and a lot more musical, you know? The stories got a lot bigger, too. You started to notice more stakes and, like, things felt more grand, you know? Like, movies like Aladdin and, like, Punchback uh, had, like, whole cities on the line, you know? And Little Mermaid could have had the whole world on the line. Who knows? Things got a little more tense in these movies, is what I'm trying to say. And, like, the animation, uh, of course, improved because of time. But you also noticed, like, things started to feel less small scale, you know? Things started to feel bigger. And I think that's kind of Disney's approach to it, is they finally decided, you know what? It's time to move past Walt's kind of mold and try something new. 
let's work on you know actually creating these huge, bigger stories and doing new, unique things and taking unique directions on stories that you know Walt didn't consider you know they t- finally took their own identity you know and I think it's worked really well for them because it worked throughout the entire 90s and that's kind of what they do today they still kind of follow the molds that these movies left just you know taking spins on it as you know today would apply you know does that make any sense yeah yeah, it was really interesting, you know, like seeing the development of these movies um, and seeing like where they where they changed and stuff. Actually, I should probably check because I, I was thinking about it as I was speaking. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids might have been in the 90s. Hang on. I think it was. It might have been. 1989. Nope, I'm right. <laughs> oh, but nice. yeah, uh, point is, there were a lot of those live action movies and that was kind of that almost killed Disney. Almost. If it weren't for the fact that the parks were doing so good and the fact that Disney Channel was starting to kind of pop up the time, I think we would probably not see the see Disney much anymore. Uh, but these movies came in and saved it. So that's always exciting. Uh, David, let me ask What's you, uh, what do you think, before we start hopping into the movies, what do you think uh, truly, what, or what's, a, what's an aspect of these movies that I didn't mention that you think truly defined them? Like, what is another thing that made these movies unique in your eyes. Okay, all right. I want to say something. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of cliche. Kind of cliche. <laughs> kind of. Okay, let me cringe. be the judge of that, David. <laughs> try, try not to cringe. Try not to cringe too hard. But um, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, if I feel like if I were to sum up these movies with one word, I would say magical. Gah, I knew you were going to say that. I yeah. knew it. Yeah. I'm sitting there going, he said it's cliche. He's going to say magical, isn't he? Ah. Yeah. yeah. You, yeah. Bri- you, you, you disappointed me. I know. I know. I know. I know. But let me explain. Let me explain why I say magical. I, I think I want to go back to um, that kind of nostalgic factor again um, and how these movies kind of uh, brought a sense of. Um, I guess I I don't, I don't know the word for uh, whimsy. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I think it's like whimsy, um, funness. You know, to 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 funness. the to the, to the cinema experience. Uh, you we, know, we do love funness around these parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think these movies really um. We're a defining aspect of Disney, you know. I think that these are the staple films that really made Disney who they are. Like, without these films, I don't think Disney would be nearly as big as it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that a good portion of the fan base of Disney um, started becoming fans due to one of these films, right? Um, so... Just these films have the sense of magic to it that I, I really don't think the other films really brought as much, you know. Um, like if you think of like modern Disney, you know, you got you got you got to okay. I think that like these films, okay, all right. Let me, let me slow down. I think yeah, these films really set the standard for Disney films to come. I think because of these films, um, we still have that emotional kind of 
feel towards um, the the more recent films. You know, I think it's these films um, and kind of their formula and how they did things that really um, kind of set the foundation towards what Disney um, is now and what they're going to be doing in the future. Well, yes, we know the impact of these movies, bro, but we need to know what do they do? What do they do? Why they, Why is it so impactful, David? You've seen them all. You know You know how they work. What, what do they do? Why I, are they so magical? Because. Because they are. I, 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 God, I don't know. <sighs> Silly, David. You disappointed me. Well, how about we go each, into each movie individually and talk about them individually, and maybe at the end we can talk. Uh, about maybe at the end we can, we can, we can. Maybe that'll inspire some thoughts in yeah, silly, yeah, yeah. silly David. Yeah. Anywho, uh, also I think we're gonna skip Rescuers Down Under. I know people include that one to make it a perfect ten movies, but in the end, I always disclude it because one, it's just fine, and two it is kind of different than the rest of the, the, the movies that came out during the Disney Renaissance in terms of it's like, it, it really does not line up with the rest of them. It might as well have been straight to DVD. So I'm going to, I'm going to disclude it and just talk about nine movies. I know it breaks the, it breaks the, uh, it breaks the, you know, tr- the trend, you know, but it is what it is. So let us dive into the first movie that kicked everything off, which was little mermaid in 1989. David, let's talk about that movie. What are your thoughts on it? It's good. Well, naturally, we know it's good. But, David, we need more detail. Meat and potatoes, David. I know, I know, I know. Um, Well, Mermaid, if you've never seen it before, I think the title kind of uh, says it for itself. It's, It's about this mermaid... But it's nothing. It's nothing like the story. Nothing like yeah. the book. Don't. Yeah, yeah. Basically, um, if you've if you've read any of these stories that these are based on, and go, huh? I wonder if it'll be like the book, or I wonder if it'll be like the story. It's not. Anyways. Yeah. David, go ahead. Um, it's about a mermaid. She's not actually. That, she's not actually that little. She's like a normal size mermaid. I, I, maybe it's in reference to her being young. Yeah, probably. Like um, a little kid. And uh, spoilers, but Everyone she dies. ends up. Uh, you know, selling her voice so that she can get legs, so that she can go find a dude. I, or, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that's a spoiler. I'd say that's the plot. That, yeah. All right. Anyways, no, yeah. Just don't spoil anything. I guess it shouldn't be a big deal. Yeah. Uh, she ends up selling her voice for legs, so that she can go uh, fall in love with this dude, um, and live happily on the shore. Um, or I guess like on land. Um, I'd say that Little Mermaid is probably the most basic of all the stories. Yeah, it is the um, first. I mean, they have no reason to believe that changing formula will truly give them rewards yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, 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 it's definitely like like the standard like prince princess kind of formula to it. Um, really not giving much depth to either characters that much because Ariel's character was heavily just centered around her trying to fall in love with uh, Eric, that was his name, right? Yeah, Prince Eric. Yeah, Prince Eric and nor did Eric have much character development or 
depth at all to his character. I mean, he was definitely deeper than like Prince Charming from any of the other Disney movies. So, I mean, before this point, he was he was more interesting than them. But yeah, he's in comparison to future princes, he is pretty standard. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that the score of this film is really good. Um, I know that. Uh, Little Mermaid was adapted into a live-action musical, which is pretty cool. Get in line. Um, yeah. <laughs> they did that with Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and Lion King, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, um, I think that, like I said, I think it's one of the weaker of the uh, Disney Renaissance, but like Connor mentioned, it was the it was the start, so they're still kind of, um, kind of relying on that old Disney formula. Um I think it's definitely uh, definitely has that kind of Disney magic to it that I, that I mentioned earlier that says that do. Um, I think that the animation for this movie is really good. Um, I think that it was definitely um, uh, ahead of its time with that high quality animation. Um, I thought it told a great story, um, and I think it really set the bar for what the renaissance could be you know i i i know this movie was very successful um it had a sequel uh that i don't two know sequels when it came that out. Are straight to dvd actually that two i only had one yeah i had two one was a prequel oh god yeah sorry i don't mean to burst your bubble but yeah there's there's a lot there's pretty much an animated sequel uh straight to dvd sequel for every one of these movies I mean, Hercules almost made it out unscathed, but no, turns out that one got a series. Does it? It did. There's a Hercules TV series. Go watch on Disney Plus if you want to cry. That's grody. Right. Anyways, yeah. Little Mermaid. Kind of what do you have to say about it? Yeah. Okay, so Little Mermaid's pretty good. Um, I think I agree with you. Like, they definitely did not take a ton of risks right off the bat with the with this one because I think they recognized that, like, they they don't have a basis to understand if this is going to do well or not. So they did stick to a couple more of the trends from the original movies that did not necessarily, um, they didn't necessarily innovate. Like I, 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 I understand why they didn't uh, go with a more, you know, with a more interesting plot. I think they went with a very princess centric plot. It's extremely safe, but at the same time, they do take some risks that I do appreciate. One you do have a more de- in de- a more interesting lead character. Like Ariel as a character has a little bit more to her. She she's a very like you know free spirited kind of character. She breaks a lot of rules. She at the beginning of the movie, they literally see her ditching her uh, her this recital she had to go to to go ex- you know explore dangerous places and find relics of stuff. Like that's cool. Like it's clear that she has more personality to herself to her character than a lot of the princesses did beforehand. Like, she has more personality, which is appreciated. And I do like that they do give, they give more time for side characters to actually, you know, bond with Ariel. Like, they do a little bit better job with that than the last movies do, where, like, characters interacting in those movies were more just entertaining rather than actually complex or any way, you know, any, in any way deep. But they did a good job with this one. Um, and I also, like I said before, they, they gave more weight to this plot. So at least it's interesting. It's a little more, you know, attention grabbing than the kind of monotonous plots that the other uh, early Disney movies had. Though they worked, they were just a little more monotonous. 
That being said, like David mentioned, it's very formulaic. You know exactly how it's going to play out. And it's not necessarily the most interesting thing in the world. And it's very pandering. But I have to respect where they did take risks. And I will, I like, like you said, I love the score. And I think the animation is really, really great. The music's, of course, really, really great. Like the actual soundtrack itself. Um, I think I, I really do like uh, Sebastian, the side character. I don't mind Scuttle. I think Triton's scene where he destroys all the stuff in her, uh, in her, you know, how, in her little uh, explorey hole. I forget what you call it. What about that one fish? <laughs> Is really great. Founders there. You know, it's fine. <laughs> but I think I think overall, I think the movie does what it's supposed to do with enough love and attention and care that I think it does warrant a watch, despite the fact that it is a touch formulaic. I think it does what it's supposed to do well enough. Um, it's definitely a kicks like a kickstart of the or kickstart to the Disney Renaissance. So let's hop in to the even heavier and more impactful movie, which is Beauty and the Beast, which came out in 1991. So two years later, we got Beauty and the Beast. This one was a huge deal. I remember when this one came out, or I don't remember it, but I read when this one came out, it went, it finished its premiere. It got a 10 minute standing ovation and it was the first animated film to ever be nominated for best picture. So two big feats for this one. Come so, on, I want you to talk about this one first. Okay, I'll talk about it first. Uh, so, and I, I think for good reason. Big Beauty and the Beast grows on you a lot when you watch it, right? So, real quickly, let us discuss what it's about. Uh, it's about Belle or Beauty. You can pick either one. She, you know, She's kind of like the outsider in this world because she's like the one person who is kind of smart and like everyone loses their mind. They're like, wait a minute, she can, girls can read? <laughs> you know, that <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, but... Uh, eventually her father goes off to she lives with her father alone uh, she goes off with or her father goes off to I believe it was the market and ends up getting lost and kidnapped or captured by this beast who lives in this reclusive you know isolated castle in the middle of nowhere well eventually uh, Belle gets wind of this and goes to the castle and ends up trading herself for her father so she will you know she ends up being his, per- his prisoner and he the father gets to go free and the rest of the movie kind of plays out like a typical romance story where the two of them kind of just, you know, they, they're very apprehensive, but through the encouragement of all these enchanted, you know, items throughout the house that could talk and all that, they get to know each other and end up falling in love. And, you know, a whole adventure happens. And I think this one does take a lot more risks than Little Mermaid did. First off, there is no idealized love interest. Like, Belle is not interested in a guy. Like, they even show in the very beginning of the movie with the villain Gaston kind of making these approaches on her that she does not care at all. She is not looking to get with with uh, a guy. So when you introduce these characters and uh, you're introducing the, you're the character of Beast and you see them kind of get to know each other, it doesn't feel like it's as forced as the other princess movies because there's no romantic core at the beginning or at the start of the movie. At the beginning of the movie, it's just her enjoying life. And feeling like her, oh, her enjoying her life and thinking there could be more, you know? So I like that already. And I think I think that's a huge point in the direction of the character, of the, uh, uh, you know, developing these new princess stories. That being said, it does kind of end, you know, back with the idealized prince thing. But it's the point is most of the movie is not. And I also think Belle as a lead character, though, is a little bland. I feel like she does the job, re- or does her job pretty well, where essentially... 
she represents uh she kind of represents a more explorative mind or like a, a girl a, a young girl who feels there's more to life than what she has and wants to you know do something with it which is you know good because a lot of the time with the princess movies they're they're such a vague you know thing a vague representation of a girl of the young girl that like it could fit for anybody but this one still is a little more specific kind of like little mermaids so that's good um but it's a really really well done movie i think like that the charm of their relationship and the charm of the characters does ultimately win over because it's just a really sweet little movie. It's really fun. It's really charming. The animation is of course gorgeous. And like that whole, uh, it's been praised many times, but the whole rotoscope kind of thing with uh, the ballroom scene was really innovative for animation. And it's just a really sweet movie. Um, I kind of wish Gaston was in it a bit more because he's not really in it much and his role is not really all that interesting until the end. That being said, I think a lot of stuff works really well for this movie. And I think obviously the score is really great and the music's phenomenal. And I think it's definitely worth a watch if you haven't watched it, because this is what I feel. This is when I feel the Disney Renaissance got their footing. Like Little Mermaid was a prototype for Beauty and the Beast. And once Beauty and the Beast worked, they were on a roll. Like They were set now. They knew what they had to do and how they had to do it. It's a really good movie. David, what do you think? Oh yeah, kind of for sure. I totally agree with you. Um, I I think I think you did a good job. Um, to move you up, but I'll I'll uh, see if I can add anything else. Um, I think that Beauty and the Beast as a movie <clears throat> was very, like you mentioned, risky and something that we haven't really seen before in a Disney animated film. Um, so <clears throat> to have this. It was, you know, it was a very big risk for for Disney just because this could have easily um, flopped and they, they, it would have lost a lot because I know they put a lot of hard work and money into this film, right? And up to this point, they've had their same formulaic um, kind of spiel uh, with their movies and to change it up like this, it was you know, definitely a big risk and I think it definitely paid off them very very nicely um and it, it, it is a very good film i think it definitely um withstands the test of time i think that if you were to go back now and watch it i, I think that you would still get a lot of enjoyment uh out of the film right um it, it's definitely a high quality film the animation i think still holds up um i mean as long as you watch like a remastered version uh of the film uh, but i think even then it's a beautiful, beautiful film. Um, the score again, just a little mermaid is phenomenal. Um, I, I think, I think just, um, the, the storyline, um, although, you know, it still has that kind of, uh, romance element later on. I, I think that, uh, giving Belle, uh, basically her own personality, um, and being interested in books and wanting to study. Um, I, I think that it really, uh, pave the way for future princesses down the line um, of kind of having their own, you know, thing, having their own niche, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really cool because I think that um, really allows the princesses to be more relatable uh, outside of, you know, their love interest, right? Um, so, like, say someone, say say a, a child is really into books, right? I think that Belle could be really a real inspiration uh, for that or a child who's looking to you know 
uh, start, you know, do, looking for something to do. Like, I think Bell could be a very good inspiration, you know, um, something that, you know, we haven't gotten before in, in these, uh, in these uh, Disney films. So I think that's really cool. I think it's really innovative. Um, I think, I think it was great for its time. I think it still holds up now. I just think Beauty and the Beast is a really high quality film. For sure, for sure. Well, no worries, David. I know you'll have more to say about this next one because in 1992, the year right after, Disney dropped Aladdin. Uh, Aladdin, Aladdin was 2019, another baby. Aladdin was another huge deal because when that no, not Aladdin 2019, when the first one came out, it became the highest grossing animated movie of all time at that point. Which, granted, seeing as two years later they released another bigger feature, which we'll talk about later, this achievement does not feel as big. But the point is, Aladdin was the highest grossing animated film for two whole years. So, David, let me ask you, what were your thoughts on Aladdin? Aladdin is awesome. Oh, my God. Um, so, if you haven't seen Aladdin before, it, it's, it's, I don't know what you're doing, but... Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe they've watched Aladdin 2019 and were like, nope, this is bad. No, can't do it. And so they never watched the 1992 Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so if you've only seen 2019, let me explain the original. Um, Aladdin is actually I don't want to exp- I don't want to explain the story. Everyone everyone knows the story. And David. If you, and, and if and if and if you and if you don't, then like, read a summary about it. Just, Jeez, David, come on. I feel, I feel like the majority of listeners already know the story. Well, yes, but some might not. All right, all right. Or some might need a refresher. All right. Uh, don't it's about- shame our audience who hasn't seen it. All right, all right, all right. Um, it's about this guy named Aladdin, of course. Um, and he's kind of this um, this uh, poor uh, street rat um, who spends time with uh, his, his pet monkey. Oh. Um, and he ends up, uh, I guess, running into uh, his princess, right? He doesn't know she's a princess at first. Um, later, learning that she is, and um, trying to get with her, but he ends up running into Jafar, who is a uh, what, is, what is he? A royal vizier. Yeah, he's a vizier. <laughs> he's like the he's like the second hand man to the guy who's in charge, who's the sultan. Yeah, um, and uh, Jafar and Aladdin end up going into uh, this cave of wonders. Uh, in which they find a genie, and Robin Williams is the genie, and he's a good time, and um, he ends up wishing to become a prince, that he can uh, get it with uh, the princess, um, and he ends up, you know, telling the truth to her eventually. Well, whoa, 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 but not the entire movie, not the entire movie. All right, all right, all right. All right. We can summarize the plot, you know, set up. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. So I ends up, you know, becoming a prince and shenanigans happen. Woo. Um, Aladdin is great. Aladdin's great for a multitude of reasons. Um, because there's a monkey in it. Yeah, because the monkey. Um, I think one, one. Uh, for, for I want to first, get, I want to first get this out of the way. Um, I really appreciate Disney. Um, having a movie that actually doesn't star a white lead, you know? Oh, yeah, this is the first of many that Disney starts to kind of include some uh, diversity. 
Yeah, I really appreciate the diversity um, among the among the cast uh, of characters, which is really awesome. They, they explore um, new cultures and um, ideas, which is really, really cool. Um, something that up until this point we haven't really seen before. Had on these uh, key yeah. uh, characters. Uh, they all they all Ethan. pretty white. Not, not from these white countries, right? To have um, characters that aren't white um, basically be be like the whole entire cast is really awesome uh, for an animated film. Um, so. Like I said, first out of the way, I, I think that's really awesome for Disney to do that. Uh, second of all, um, the voice acting. I think the voice acting is really, really great. I think Robin Williams is definitely um, a key, key aspect that, that made this movie as great as it is. You know, um, Robin Williams is a talented actor. Um, just like the, the, the range and versatility of his voice um and and what he's able to do with it it is really awesome and how um the animators really took his his uh, wide range of uh vocal fluidity and really turned that into animation you know i i think that's really uh really, really stretch, stretching the boundaries um i guess stretching the limits of what animation can be uh, which is really, really cool. Um, and I really, really like that. Because um, that, that was really fun to watch. Um, just, just watch him play with his voice, play with the animation. And that's really not something that you can really do in the li- in live action, right? Um, of course, they tried to do that with Will Smith in the recent one, but I just don't think it hit as hard as uh, Robin Williams did uh, back in the 90s. Um, again, the score for this film is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I, I've mentioned this before, but my parents' wedding song uh, was "A Whole New World," because uh, mm-hmm. you know it's it's an incredible song. The, the entire score for this musical, a musical, the movie is really great. It is a musical. I've actually seen the musical before. Really good musical. If you haven't seen it, uh, once I guess theaters open up again, highly recommend checking it out. I'm uh, impressed they actually made a carpet fly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, really impressive. Um, I just think this is one of those movies that um, really stretch the limits of animation. You know, it's something that, again, broke, um, broke, 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 like new I said, ground. limits. Yeah, new broke ground. new ground. New ground that we haven't really seen before, which is awesome, which is really, really cool. Um, I feel like every movie of the Renaissance has been kind of um, breaking more and more ground, which is really, really awesome. Um, so yeah, Aladdin is fantastic. Um, I could go on, but I think I should let Connor talk a little bit about it. Uh, you, you've hit the nail on that. Um, Aladdin's really solid. Um, in my opinion, I feel it kind of is not, uh, I, I feel like it's adventure movie kind of vibe. I feel does kind of take away from it it kind of feels like a video game in some ways in terms of how the plot lays out which is not a huge critique just something that kind of bugged me but overall i mean i really do enjoy this movie i think it was really nice it was a really nice change of pace to have a new setting and you know more diverse leads though the the voices are all white people but it's a start uh 
I do really appreciate the I appreciate the you know obviously the score the animation's great I, I Genie is phenomenal like Will Robin Williams absolutely owns it um and there's a lot to really appreciate here and the first time Disney starred you know focused on the prince character which is interesting um overall I think I think uh, I think Aladdin did a great job of kind of yeah like you said breaking new ground in terms of storytelling and you know unique perspectives and it's a really fun movie. Yeah, who who can deny such Robin Williamness, you know? But I know this is another one that David's gonna have to own because two years later, this Disney kind of topped themselves. They peaked. This was what people would consider the most successful Disney movie until Frozen, at least, uh, and the one that probably has impacted the most people. And that is, of course, The Lion King from 1994. This one broke the record again after Beauty and the Beast broke it and then Aladdin broke it. This one broke it again and kept that crown until Frozen. This Lion King was huge, dude. Lion King was a huge, huge movie and it broke so much new ground and it was insane. So David, what are your thoughts on Lion King? Oh my. Um... I I feel like you're not a fan. (laughs) Yeah. If you guys listen to... uh the earlier episodes you you would know that i actually really hate this movie yeah lion king is he thinks it's pretty bad you know he he just doesn't he just doesn't like animals Uh -uh, uh -uh, uh -uh. um yeah guys you know i was joking you know i really love the movie um so the lion king oh my so let me first let me first talk about uh my my own personal nostalgic factor to this film um again so, I think it was it was um, summer before freshman year. Yeah, all way back when. Yeah. Um, before that, I I liked this film. I thought I thought it was a pretty good film. Um, I thought it was it was solid. You know, I thought it hit all the marks. It was really good. And then you know, summer before freshman year, um, I I actually, um. It in my uh, not 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 through my school, but it was like through um, like a like a theater camp kind of thing. Um, they're doing a production of Lion King, right? And I was in it, and not, I had to really brag, but he was pretty cool. Yeah, I, yeah. Seen, I didn't see it, so I can't speak to that. But I'm sure he was cool. Yeah, yeah, and um, I really enjoyed it. I had a really fun time, and I think that that being in that production really um, increased my nostalgic factor for this film and just really made me enjoy it a lot more. Um, the big twist is David actually played the fourth ant in the opening scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was actually the water. Oh, uh, bah. Yeah, I know. I the know. water that reflects the sun. Dang, yeah. that's pretty wild. And you're in the first <laughs> shot of your first shot of the of the uh, performance. That was wild. I am. I am. Um, yeah, you know. I, okay, so now the nostalgic factor out of the way. Uh, the actual movie itself. Uh, this is a fantastic, fantastic film. Um, I, I definitely think that this did break ground again. Uh, after Aladdin, which you know didn't seem possible, because um, this movie is entirely like it's an animal cast. 
you know? Um, which up until this point for Disney, we haven't really seen. Well, I mean, not since the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to have like a non-human cast, which is, it's pretty cool. Um, but that's that's not why the movie's great. Um, the movie's great just because of its themes and what it represents and the animation and the score and the characters and everything about it. Um, <laughs> Naturally. Yeah. The animation for this film is spot on. It is really, really good. I think it definitely holds up. I think, I think it's a given that all these films have incredible animation um, without a doubt. Um, but another thing I like about this movie is um, it, 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 it takes place in Africa. Duh. Um, so I really enjoy kind of having that kind of African um, set pieces to it. Um, and I actually did, you know, during, during, after, after I was, after the production was over, um, I was kind of like low-key obsessed with Lion King. So I did, I did, I did some research, uh, into the, into the process of them making it. Um, and I know they did, or the people behind it did actually go to Africa Mm -hmm. to, um, find inspiration for the uh for for the set and the background of this film which is really cool and they actually um got up close actually studied the movement and the and the way the animals i guess uh, acted and uh walked around and um it's, it's really is flawless the way they make the lions talk i mean like they talk yeah. just like real lions <laughs> yeah yeah right right um so I, I think that's really cool, the, the amount of work and effort they put into the film um, to try to make things as authentic as possible um, with everything. And I think that really paid off. Um, I know a lot of people say that uh, this film is like Hamlet, but with animals. And I, I do agree. I do agree. Um, it's kind of like Hamlet, but like not as dark um and not as shakespearean and not as shakespearean and more child friendly um which which is pretty cool because hamlet's pretty cool um and just the 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 wow kind of i'm at a loss i'm at a loss for words here naturally um lion king is an absolutely incredible film if you've never seen before I don't know what the heck you're doing. Go watch it. Um, Lion King is one of my favorite films to this day. Um, honestly, I haven't watched it in a while. I should probably watch it again sometime. Um, it, it really is a high quality from the, the voice acting um, of everyone is really good. Um, I, like, like, like I said, the themes, going back to the themes of, of, uh, of growing up and facing your past and moving forward and not really letting the the worries and the struggles of life really get to you um i think that's i think those are those are life lessons and life themes that i think that we should just all listen to and all follow um i i think that they're very prevalent and i think they will always be prevalent um 
because I I just I just think that we all should t- take a step back and, and and enjoy ourselves, you know. And I think that being in a production of Lion King really helped me um, truly appreciate the the themes and the aspects of the film. Just enjoying life and you know not letting worries of high school get to me you know um which which is awesome which is awesome uh, i'm not saying go out and be in a production of the lion king no um i'm just saying that next time you watch it try to i guess appreciate uh the the effort and the work that went into this film because i, I it, a lot a lot went into it mm-hmm. absolutely yeah um we talked a lot about lion king yeah lion king is very good um, Lion King has such a huge scale to it. It's a very huge movie that I feel what may, or one of the things that makes it so memorable and so beloved is how grand it feels. It really does have this huge kind of ambitious and like almost like almost biblical vibe to it where like everything feels larger than life and you, you just you can take a lot from it. It's a really well done movie. Um, and everything else we said go before goes. It has a phenomenal score, phenomenal uh, soundtrack. The writing's great. The animation is gorgeous. And David kind of, you know, talked about this. So I will let it go. Because now we get something kind of odd. Disney went a really, really high. And they said, we can do no wrong. And then made a really weird choice and decided, let's talk about Native Americans. <laughs> Uh, Disney's not a good track record with Native Americans. Usually they kind of don't do a great job representing them. With movies like, you know, Peter Pan and assorted Disney projects that are smaller and not as notable because they're racist. It's not very great. Uh, Disney's had a weird track record with that. So then they tried to kind of rectify that by doing a movie that kind of, you know, better represents them. And we got Pocahontas. Uh, I'll very briefly talk about Pocahontas because it's, there's not a ton to say without getting a little too, you know, accusational about Disney's intentions. But it's very odd to me because I know what they were trying to do. They were trying to make a film that, you know, similar to Aladdin, kind of represented a, a group that was not, you know, white. They were trying to experiment. And they were also trying to rectify the wrongs of the past by doing something that's more respectful. And I get it. But I think Disney got a little confused when they came to the plot because they think they had the idea to make a movie like this but didn't have a plot to defend it and they based it off of the real life pocahontas for some reason based it off of like the first time disney's ever made a movie that's an animated movie that's based on a true story but not really because there's also a talking tree and you know assorted animal hijinks in this movie it's supposed to be based off of a real story it's weird Disney didn't, I think Disney kind of got a little caught up in their ambitions before they decided to figure out what exactly the movie was going to be. That being said, I think Pocahontas has some strong points to it. For example, the score is phenomenal, as has been usual. And the animation is actually pretty unique. I think Pocahontas does something different with the animation, which I did not expect, where they kind of make it seem watercolor. And it results in a lot of really, really pretty shots where like the colors are very vibrant and they remind you kind of like a, a rising sun kind of thing there's beautiful colors in this movie and they do a phenomenal job of that um so i think the effort in this movie is definitely there but as a film it's kind of just there it's fine it's a little 
it's it's very basic and i think they don't take a lot of risks story-wise and i think it takes it touches a little it's kind of sorry it rides the line of good taste i feel like and it just kind of feels a little odd there's a little bit of a white uh, white saviorism to it that's kind of weird and there's just it's just weird i think disney kind of I think Disney's ambitions were good, where they, they had a good idea in mind. But ultimately, I kind of think Pocahontas was one of the few examples of Disney not truly knowing what kind of movie they wanted to make, you know? And as a result, kind of flops as a mostly okay, but overall not worth watching Disney film, which is funny as it came out literally the year after Lion King. <laughs> I do think there's a bit of the uh, a big blind ambition kind of came into play on that one. Yeah. David, what are your thoughts on Pocahontas? Um, I definitely say Pocahontas is um, again one one of the weaker ones of the Disney Renaissance. Um, I'm not really sure they were going with this one. Yeah, it's like I said, like it's odd. I don't know what the plot idea was besides let's try to rectify our uh, mistakes of treating Native Americans poorly. Yeah, it's like they were trying to go for like the original story, but like not. Really? Same yeah, thing. it's like kind of, not at all. It's like it's so odd. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's it's just it, it's it's weird. Um, it, it, I mean, it, it's I think it's fine as a movie. I'm not saying like you should go out of your way to watch it if you've never seen it before. Um, I I I definitely say that like out of all the Renaissance movies, I think that um, this one is the I guess least. Uh, like the least uh, impactful one. It didn't really break much ground as a film. It's kind of just there. Um, of course, it's 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 definitely a high quality film, and I think definitely impacts a lot of people. Um, I just think that uh, with the with the 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 pattern that Disney has been doing with these films, this one did not break as much ground, um, storytelling wise. Um, which which is okay, you know. I mean, they're not they're not all going to be winners, of course. But uh, yeah, Pocahontas. Yeah. All right. So we've got four more movies, and not just because we're running long time, but I want to note all four of these movies do kind of have similar trends to them, and I, I hope you can catch on to them as we talk about them. But the one this the next one they did was easily the biggest risks they've ever taken for a Disney movie. It is unbelievable how many risks this movie takes. Um, And that is Hunchback of Notre Dame. Notre Uh, Dame. Notre Dame. Uh, I'll actually talk about the next film uh, real quick. Like first, because I know I just talked about uh, Pocahontas first, but I really want to talk about Hunchback. Phenomenal film. I think Hunchback, what besides what makes it, you know, besides the fact that it's, you know, crazy different because it's dark, it is unbelievably dark for an animated film. What you, what makes this movie stand out so much compared to Disney's other works is it feels the least like trope heavy. This is the movie where the hero does not get the girl. The hero is also supposed to be ostracized and throughout the entire movie does never gets his way. It's the one with the darkest villains, with the darkest truths, with the most violence, with the most real life topics that aren't, you know, poorly done like in Pocahontas. It is extremely grounded, but it also has talking gargoyles. So, you know, it balances out. Um, it is huh. an extremely well done movie that has an extremely gothic atmosphere to it that is really respectable. 
it's a really well done movie that I feel does not get enough notoriety and hype as it gets as it should because it is so well done. The music is phenomenal. I love how grounded and not at all fantasized it is. It is very realistic in terms of its like brutality in some points. It's really well done. I like this kind of way they kind of mold the Disney's tropes together with this one. Like the idea that the Disney princess-esque character is a side character who's literally fighting against oppression, like, you know, religious persecution, I think is crazy interesting. Like that's a really unique uh, take on the Disney princess formula. And I like that the knight character, like the the knight in shining armor character is kind of a tool. I kind of like that. That's That's a funny trope. And like I mentioned, he does not get the girl in the end. That's a huge thing. Like Disney really took, like pulled out all the stops with this one. And despite the gargoyles being kind of ridiculous, I think this movie hits so many bullseyes. I think it's phenomenal. Um, what do you think, Dave? Oh yeah, no, I agree. Um, this movie definitely took a dark turn, a dark turn that up to this point we haven't really well i should say dark for disney standards don't expect an r-rated experience it's it's still a child it's still a movie for kids yeah yeah yeah. but it's like in, in comparison um it, it it's like never it's like nothing we've we've seen you know um to to have a a lead um like quasimodo quasimodo um, um is really interesting you know it's really interesting it's really it's very different i think it definitely broke ground which is, you know, a common theme we've been seeing. Yes, Disney uh, likes breaking ground with these movies. Yes, um, I, I, I think, I think it's one of the more least known. Yeah, it's, it's a little. It was a little more overlooked just because it was so dark, and you know, not a lot of people went, or not as many people could see it as a family. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's not it's not like your Beauty and the Beast or Lion King. You know, it's it's definitely a more. Uh, I guess I'm not. I'm, yeah, I don't know. the The, the audience, like it, it, it is a family film, but at the same time, it's like. I, I don't know. It's like, it's 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 for like the, the 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 true Disney fans, I guess. You know, like like the the audience they're going for were kids, but at the same time, it's a little bit too dark for kids. So like the audience, their their intended audience, they didn't really reach. So then the actual audience are only like I don't know. I don't know how I was going with that. Yeah, um, it's all right. Yeah, I, I think Connor did a good job summing up this movie. Well, no worries. Um, following that one, Disney again took a really bizarre turn on another classic, uh, classic story, and they went in 1997 went with Hercules. Which is a very strange movie. Uh, you could take this one over, but I'll have you know this is a very strange movie, and and, and this time positive, not negative like Pocahontas. Like this one's positive. Yeah, um, Hercules is a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoy Hercules. I think it's one of my, I think it's one of my personal favorites of the, of the Renaissance outside of Aladdin and Lion King. Yeah, it's um, funny. Uh, it's funny because Hercules has kind of had a resurgence in terms of popularity because of people who watched like it was not as popular when it came out but people watching it later and you know watching it in the future years were bigger fans of this than the people who watched it at the time which is kind of funny this one's definitely had kind of a cult classic following yeah 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 for sure for sure um 
I, I think that this movie definitely has a nostalgic feel to it. Um, rather than like having that initial impact that it that the other films did, um, which is okay, you know, um, it, it still hits, it still hits its mark. Um, Hercules is, is about you know the the Greek demigod um, Hercules, right, son of Zeus, um, and it's interesting because like it it's about greek mythology you know it has all these uh greek gods and goddesses but it, you know it mainly focuses on hercules and hades right uh mm-hmm. as, as the main two uh greek gods that we see in the film um i think that the i think that the the storyline um is is like something that we haven't really seen before because the the the, the, the main character uh, uh hercules his goal does not necessarily center around getting a girl, you know, like, yeah, it's not romance centric, which yeah, uh, as mean, time has gone on, you start to notice Disney's yeah. kind of drops as time goes on. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is still a romance aspect to it, mm-hmm. but it's not as big as other films are, you know? Um, and I think that's pretty cool. You know, I think it brings a more, I think it brings more depth to the characters, both Hercules and Meg, um, the two love interests. Meg is also a very, very unique love interest where she's like in terms of like personality, which is a huge plus. She's unlike anybody else. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Meg is um, like a, 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 she's like a Disney princess, not really. She's like an anti-Disney princess. Yeah, yeah. Um, Where like, she at first she she started off as kind of a villain but as her character arc went on she began to you know become a good guy siding with hercules huh, this kind of sounds like our last episode oh wait no i'm sorry not our last episode it's more of a foreshadowing to our next episode wink wink nudge nudge yeah we may or may not have pre-recorded before this which is the reason i got mixed up (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah um yeah so i think hercules is a really good movie like i said the score or i never said that but like the score is really really good Uh, the animation's animations, uh really high quality um i i think that it's definitely a very different kind of movie um but i think it definitely still hits its marks for sure and I'll point out some things that are also pretty different about it. This has a very unique animation style where it kind of goes for this, the kind of geometric kind of uh, art style of the G- the Greek time period where like a lot, there were a lot of their carvings and stuff were done in this very geometric and very bizarrely shaped style. And it's very reminiscent of that. And it's really impressive. But what's even weirder is this music style where instead of going like whatever, for whatever reason, they decided let's connect hercules with gospel music that's what they combined it to there's a lot of gospel music in this movie and it's odd you're like okay like it's odd in a good way because you're sitting there like who would have thought of this as you're sitting there enjoying this like peppy kind of weird retro gospel greek mythology thing you're like (laughs) it's such a strange movie but it takes so many weird choices that you kind of have to love it like it's it's almost intimidates you into respecting it. It's kind of hilarious, uh, but really good movie. Uh, really great, a really underappreciated soundtrack too. Very good. 
Um, Following Hercules is another cult classic style movie, but this one definitely is much bigger because this one's cult following got very big and stopped being a cult following and became a true following. And that is Mulan from 1998. And Mulan was a huge deal because like, or when it came out, you know, it was fine. Like it did, it's, it, it definitely made money and was popular, but it was not nearly as big as it's gotten with time. And now it's considered a Disney cult classic, almost on the level of Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast and Lion King. Like it, it is shot up. So what do you think of, of Mulan, Dave? I think Mulan's great. Um, I think that, like, in recent times, um, I think that Mulan has been appreciated for having a really good and strong female character, you True. know? Um, which, of, as this point, we haven't really seen too much, you know? We, well, we, we kinda, like, we started, yeah. We, we started, started, but, like, I think Mulan really, uh, you know, was really the first to, like, really um bring it to us you know um i think that mulan as a character is great i think that i really like how she struggles to um fill fill her father's shoes it's funny because like that is such a like i'm sorry i'm real real quickly add to it there's this expectation style to it that we're almost it's almost metaphorical like it's the first time Disney kind of didn't take things at face value where like Disney kind of tells you everything and reiterates things up front because, you know, it's a family movie, so it doesn't need to be subtle. But Mulan takes a really subtle turn to it where like it's there's more than just her father footsteps that she's filling here. And it's great. It's actually kind of thought provoking. And you're like, huh, you know, like this is the first time Disney kind of broke ground in terms of storytelling in a way that, was not Disney. Like it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Um yeah, it, it's just like the themes of of, you know, of like I kind of mentioned, I think I think they really they hold true and they and they're very interesting, very unique and something that we haven't really seen before uh in in these Disney films. Um which is awesome. Which is awesome. It really is. Um I think Mulan is a really awesome film. The score, uh, without a doubt, is incredible. Um, I think that 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 you know that you know that first song that was you know when Mulan was all sad. Uh, reflections, I think. Oh, reflections. Like, That's the second song, but yes, you're. Right. Oh yeah, reflections. I think reflections is uh, my personal favorite song, but I know a really big one is uh, "I'll Make a Man Out of You." I think. Oh yeah, because that one gets down to business. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's probably the most popular, most notable. Of all the uh, uh, Mulan songs, and also a- something notable. I'm real quick. I'm so sorry. Uh, real quick, there are no music numbers after the second or in the second half of the movie. Like yeah. it stops being a musical, which again very bold because Disney usually sticks to their musicals for a while. But this one, they dropped the musical thing for the second half of the movie, which I'm like, holy crap, they did it. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. you can go ahead. Sorry about that. No worries. Uh, the second half, yeah, I kind of mentioned it kind of takes like a darker turn um, to it, which is which is really awesome um, because I feel like it really like gets down to the nitty gritty, um, the meat and potatoes of the film, uh, making Mulan fulfilling her her destiny um, and you know defeating the the Huns, the, the Huns. You know, about to get down to business to defeat the Huns. Exactly. Exactly. Um, 
it was awesome. Really, really awesome, uh, like, move on Disney's part, um, which makes Mulan even better. Um, and I, I think it definitely deserves to be um, up there with Lion King and Aladdin uh, as being a classic film. Um, and I think it's definitely worthy of all its praise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, Mulan was a real big trailblazer. I think it took the mo- it took a ton of risks as it usually does. I think I think the animation of course is gorgeous. I love the way they play the story out. I think they do a great job melding kind of adult themes into a, ch- a family movie format. Really pretty. Mulan's a fantastic lead. Uh she's a really well-written character. Um, I like Mushu a lot. I most people kind of bag on him, but Mushu. I I enjoy Mushu a lot. And like I said, the second half being not a musical at all is really impactful. It really does give some weight to it. And again, another movie that does not emphasize the romance. So, boom. Another um, reason to watch this one out. Yeah. Uh, well, one thing. One thing. Uh, the live action kind of just uh, throws the her, her struggle out the window. Oh, yeah, dude. We'll get to the live action once we get there. You got to watch But, like, yeah. Live, live action Mulan is, like watching diet mulan without anything that made it cool mulan. yeah anyways uh the mulan animated one's zero. great yes mulan zero without a doubt but mulan is great it's a really well done movie and i highly recommend if you've not checked it out though i will admit it's a little weirdly adult sometimes like not even in like oh it's dark it gets weirdly adult with the humor and i oh, i i almost think it's a little jarring like there is a weird amount of you know adult body jokes <laughs> i don't get why it's odd it's just a very strangely uh strangely adult movie in some cases but it also you know perfectly adult in some ways really great movie uh but yeah oh we got one more for you this one it gets a little bit overlooked but it also has picked up a cult following recently because it's very distinct and it truly deserves to be included with the rest of the disney renaissance movies and that is Tarzan from 1999. Isn't this the last one? This is the finale. Yes, it was the last time we we or what people consider the Disney Renaissance because then the 2000s hit and they kind of stopped making money. But uh, Tarzan was the finale. So uh, I'll very briefly talk about uh, talk about uh, Tarzan and then talk to David. Tarzan's interesting because Tarzan, I feel, has a very basic story on paper, but what makes it work so well is how much impact everything has. It's a movie that takes its time. It builds its story. Like, it's not a super upfront story that has a lot going on like we'd seen in the Disney Renaissance before. It's a little slower. And it, it is almost reminiscent of those classic Disney movies, except the emotion of the, or the, not emotion, the characters are given much more emphasis. It's almost kind of a response to like movies like Jungle Book and, uh, and Alice in Wonderland, where it almost kind of, adapts that kind of storytelling into a modern you know a modern storytelling formula i think it did a really good job with it like it's a really fun movie because the characters are so likable the writing is so smart and it's just a really really fun movie like it's extremely like it's extremely mellow it does not necessarily you know demand all of your attention but it really just it it earns it you know it's sweet it's really funny and I think when it hits emotionally and when it hits, you know, it starts to get more intense, it does a great job of it. Um, it's it's kind of hard to explain because Tarzan is such a distinct movie and it's unlike any of other any other Disney movie at the time, except for those old classic Disney movies from like the Walt era. 
but it's really well done. Uh, and no, not a musical. That's that's another huge thing. It's the first Disney Renaissance movie to not be a musical at all. Like there's musical moments, but there's no singing. So, you know, I got to respect that. I got to respect Disney, again, taking risks and doing something different and showing off fantastic animation, a fantastic background score and really fun characters. Uh, David, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah. Uh, Tarzan is amazing. Um, I think, I think one of the, um, I think, I think the, the, the finding, like defining, um, aspects of Tarzan, um, is the score. Um, the score, uh, of course, written by Phil Collins, uh, was uh, mass or or boo, I guess. It, it's a very divisive guy, but <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think that Phil Collins uh, did a really, really good job writing the score for this movie. Um, he definitely went hard, fire, fire score. Um, of course, thanks, thanks for that, Phil Collins. Um, yeah, I think Tarzan is an, an amazing movie. I think it's definitely a classic. Um, I think it definitely hits all the right notes. Um, I think it's a it's sort of a coming of age story in a way. You know, it, it is. It's Tarzan uh, growing up, uh, finding himself, finding who he is, finding uh, what kind of person he wants to be. You know, um, outside of the jungle, I guess. Um, yeah, it's like you know, it's almost like finding yourself outside of your nest. You know, it's like who are you? Outside of the outside of your home, you know, it's really cool, really cool theme, um, good animation. Um, I, I'd say that this one definitely isn't as large scaled as the other ones. I think it's definitely a smaller scaled movie, um, but still had, had a lot of fun. Um, one thing that's always just confused me is the um, kind of um, you can ask this for me, but like. Tarzan is almost like sp- split into like two parts. Kind of. Yeah. Cause like it's, it's very, like I said, very mellow and very kind of slow paced. So the first half is kind of his origin story. And the second half is kind of his exposure to humanity. So it, it's very, like it's, it's split up into these parts because it's so laid back. Like the plot is not demanding as much, you know, commitment. So it takes its time. So yeah, it does kind of feel like it's divided into two parts, um, which is almost kind of like his division between two lives, you know, being human and living in the jungle, you know, it's metaphorical. Yeah, yeah. And didn't they make a like a new live action Tarzan? Well, not Disney. Tarzan's a Tarzan is a um, public domain property, so anybody can make a movie based off of it. Um, I could. You could. Uh, you could do that with Pinocchio and Sherlock Holmes too, but. Um, yeah, so like it's kind of it. People have made movies before. I think Tar. I think the animated Disney one does the best job at concisely, you know, making the movie work. I think a lot of the movies usually kind of bloat it too much. But granted, I haven't seen a lot, so I'll let you know. I'm not a car Tarzan connoisseur, so. Bobby's in Tarzan. Is she? I don't know. She's in. The... Oh, oh, she's in Legend of Tarzan. Yeah. That's the live action one. Yeah, that one has Stellan. They're not Stellan Skarsgård. It's got Bill, uh, some Skarsgård in it. Alexander Skarsgård. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nope. Yeah. There's that one. But, you know, it's not Disney. So Disney could make a live action Tarzan, but I feel like it's almost too cliche. Like they've been doing all these live action remakes. They're like, no, 
No, no, let's let's be subtle. <laughs> let's not let's not make the obvious choice. Mm, I feel like they are. I don't know. We'll see. With like Ryan Reynolds or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if it, they could, and if they did do it, I would die. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is the Disney Renaissance. Uh, hopefully, you noticed Disney has got pretty good in the '90s. They got they started to understand better what they did right, and they started to really cash in on it. Uh, it didn't always work. Like Pocahontas was weaker, Little Mermaid is a little bit weaker, and I think Hercules definitely kind of lacks in terms of the others. But overall, Disney did a really great job of encompassing what made their movies unique and really cashed in on it. I think if you're looking for pristine examples of Disney movies, all of these, except for maybe Pocahontas, are good examples of it. Actually, you know what? Pocahontas still is a good example in terms of the animation. So I, I do recommend all of these if you're interested. Overall, you got some really great stuff here, and Disney did a great job in the '90s, really embodying what it meant to be a Disney movie. You know? Yeah. Woo. So let's hop into the suggestions. Uh, I don't have a lot this week. Um, it's been a busy week, but I do have a couple, uh, two. So, David, how many do you got? Um, I also have two. Uh, well, I won't shame you this time because I also got two. So go ahead with your first. All right. So, uh, movie. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I, I, I did not mean to say uh, I, I started stretching and uh, <laughs> accidentally. So my movie is... Um, you good? No, I'm just yawning. Um, okay. The movie that I, I watched recently um, is Boogie Night. Hey, you stole my thing. I, I know. I know. Rude. Boogie Night. David followed my suggestion. Random. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, I watched Boogie Nights. It was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I definitely, because you know, if y'all know me, y'all know I'm, I'm a sucker for coming of age films, right? Um, so, and I definitely think this is a classic. I think it's definitely a really, really good coming of age film. I think it's definitely a more mature coming of age film, but nevertheless, a coming of age film that uh, definitely hits all the right notes where it should be hit. Um, well, actually, actually, it's funny because I suggest this one on the episodes coming out next week. This is getting really surreal. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, no. So you'll, you guys will hear my suggestion. I'll have I, you know. I, I, I'm like super confused. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, right. People listening, people listening, going on, going. You never mentioned Boogie Nights. It's, it's really <laughs> funny. You, you will. Spoilers. You yeah, will. yeah. You, you will hear about. Just like you'll Boogie understand Nights. what our ne- what that reference to last, next week's episode is that I mentioned in the podcast earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll get it. You, you will get it in time, boys. The first time our listeners are like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, am I missing something? Yeah, right. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah. I, like I said, I think Boogie Nights is definitely uh, a more mature uh, film. It, it definitely 18 plus, I will say, like Connor mentions in the future. <laughs> um, <laughs> mentions. <laughs> um, yeah, so... I, I yeah, Boogie Nights. It it like t- it like takes place in the seventies slash eighties. Yeah, like the a, edge, end of the seventies, beginning of the eighties. Yeah, um, it's about this kid who um, I guess wants to make something of himself. I guess, and he ends up working um, in adult films. Right, um, Don Cheadle's in it. Woo! Um, I feel like. Mark Wal Mark Wahlberg is the main character, of course. 
I feel like him and Don Cheadle are like notable names. Well, John C. Riley. What are you saying? Oh yeah, John John C. Wreck-It Riley. Ralph. Burt yeah. Reynolds. He's a big actor. Right, right, I love right. Burt Reynolds. And it's right. got Julianne Moore. Julianne uh, Moore. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. There's a lot of big names in this one. Um, I and, just and William H Macy, bro. William H Macy. Oh, he right. was in Jurassic Park three. Right, 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 right. Um. Yeah, anyways, like, like I was saying, I think this movie is really good. Highly recommend checking out if you're into uh, coming of age films like I am. Um, I think it's a lot of fun. Like I said, 18 plus. Uh, it's on Tubi. Uh, Hold up. Says the guy who's not 18. <laughs> <laughs> it's 18 plus, but I broke the rules. Yeah, we get it. You're cool. <laughs> I'm moving on, moving on to my next suggestion. Actually, I don't have a show. I have another movie. Oh. Top 10 plot twists in anime history. Yeah, I know. Um, my movie is a movie that I actually forgot that I watched and I never marked it on Letterboxd. Oh. Um, uh, it's The Departed. Departed. Yeah, Departed. Boston. Uh, kind of you seen More it? Mark Wahlberg. Yes, I have. Yeah. Um, yeah, this movie, let me tell you, has a stacked... Cat. Oh yes, it's, it's it's Scorsese going. You know what? Let's just do all my Scorsese things, but forgot the Nero. Yeah, it it has a stacked cast, like so many A list actors. It's got Leo. It's got Mark Wahlberg, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholson, um, Jack Nicholson. Uh, who else does it, does it have? I believe that's the top four. I think it's I think it's a it's a big stack of four cast members. But yeah, I can I'll check real quick. Uh, it, it it's mainly those four. I think yeah, um, but it has a ton of A list actors, which is awesome. Um, so well, Martin Martin Sheen, if you're a big Martin Sheen fan, Martin Sheen. But yeah, it's really the biggest of the actors that were after that. Yeah, you know, it's just the four, the big four. Yeah, big four. Um, so this movie is really, really good. Um, it's about uh, kind of the the Boston crime scene uh, with uh, Jack Nicholson kind of being this uh, crime boss. He's the big cheese. He's the will. big cheese, right? And, after making, and then you can see that scene where he makes the rat noises. I'm like, yep, that's a big cheese right there. <laughs> if I've it's, it's the big cheese, the big cheese. And uh, um, so it, it, it kind of switches between this this crime scene or this, this crime boss um and kind of the the cops right there's leo who kind of goes as an undercover undercover cop and uh matt damon kind of uh he, he's kind of an undercover um uh, kind of how do i put it uh, uh, under, he was a, he was an undercover like uh he was a, well, one was a rat and one was an undercover cop yeah so, yeah one, one of the they, they, they kind of leave it up to debate as to who's who kind of thing yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think it's really interesting. It's a really fun movie. It's it's kind of long. It's like two and a half hours long. Yeah, it's Scorsese, so yeah. sit down, bring the popcorn. Yeah, but I, I think it's a really high-quality film. Um, I think it's really interesting to see how, you know, you go into this film like, okay, so Leo is this cop, and then Matt Damon is the rat. As the movie progresses... It, the the lines almost kind of blur um, due to like time passing and how long this kind of um, struggle is going on to try to catch um, 
Jack Nicholson's character uh, as being the crime lord. It's like they it's like they know he is the crime lord. The cops know he is. They've even like confronted him, but they, they just don't they have enough do evidence to catch him, yeah. right? Um, so it, it's it's really interesting to see that kind of um, juxtaposing roles um, kind of almost mashed together. Like it's like what? Like, go ahead. Yeah, anyways, I was, I was going to say, like, it kind of, like, blends the lines between, you know, what is right, what is wrong, um, you know, like, what does justice really mean, uh, which which is a pretty cool, really cool theme uh, to bring to this film. Uh, I think this film's a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, long movie. Um, kind of what were you going to say? Yeah, basically, I'm saying it, it totally reminds me of, like, the, of Scorsese's take on The Godfather. Like, if you really wanted to see what Scorsese would do with The Godfather, this is kind of that. It's just less Italian and more Baskin. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Um, it's a very solid movie. It won Best Picture, so there's that, too. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but you... Ooh, yeah. It, just started, it just started raining over here. Ooh. Okay, so I've got two. Uh, and, you know, I'm actually going to change one of them to a movie because I'm going to combat you. So I'll do two movies. First one, I watched this one a while back but or like last weekend but it's really really good and i highly recommend it and if you haven't watched it yet like me and just watched it for the first time you should go check it out and that is lord of the rings fellowship of the ring the original lord of the ring. i had never seen it and i decided to watch it the first time right after our 2000s episode i'm like let's do it and it's very good three hours long but very good what what it does so well is actually very similar to what lion king does so well it has a very grand scope like Everything in this movie is huge. But I mean this time, I really mean it. Like, the the landscapes are huge. The CGI is huge. And, like, there's just a lot going on. It's a very grand adventure movie. And I do really enjoy it. I loved a lot of the characters. I think Viggo Mortensen is a huge standout, especially because I was not expecting him to be as big a standout as he was. The acting's great. The CGI is mixed. Sometimes it's phenomenal, and other times it is extremely cheap. It really depends on the scene. Uh, I also think it can get a little too character heavy, but I think it does a phenomenal job of moving the story forward. It has a lot of great moments. It's got a lot of memorable moments, and it's just a really well-done movie. And thinking of this movie in context, like the fact that it kicks off this huge three-year experience, I cannot wait to get more involved. I can't wait to watch the next one and get really into it. It's really exciting. Lord of the Rings! Yeah, really good movie. And secondly, I'm going to keep the fantasy movie going, but this time it's a little bit different. If you want to laugh your ass off at a really great fantasy parody, Monty Python and the Holy Grail is still a masterpiece comedy. Phenomenal movie. Uh, I, it's hard to summarize the plot because it's so unbelievably self-aware. But essentially, uh, the, um, you know, uh, King Arthur, you know, Knights of the Round Table guy, he, bring, he gets a group together to go seek out the Holy Grail. And then it just goes to town. It is just pure ridiculousness. But it's also very wholesome ridiculousness. It is not super vulgar. It's not gross. It's just extremely British. And it's hilarious. One of the most well-timed and really well-thought-out comedies I've seen in a while. The comedy is extremely smart. It deals with a lot of very of-the-time topics, like of the you know fantastical period topics. It's really funny. It's really ridiculous. But it is so engaging. I it is endlessly quotable too. It, it's really unlike anything else. It's totally a Monty Python movie. 
Um, and I highly recommend it if you haven't checked it out yet, because anyone can enjoy it. Like anyone can. And it is truly one of the funniest movies out there. That and where on what we do in the shadows, I feel the kings of comedy out there. Check those. Check that one out too. But like overall, nice and round table or not round the table. Sorry, Monty Python and the Holy Grail is really really good. Uh, so if you want some serious fantasy, do Lord of the Rings. If you want some hilarious fantasy, do Monty Python. Um, but both really good. Um, that's all I've got, David. Um, anything else you want to add? Mm, nope. Well, thank you so much for listening, guys. We're going on vacation, uh, me and him separately. It's just, it happened to be at the same time, which is really convenient. Uh, we're both going on vacation starting Tuesday, Wednesday-ish. So we will you know, we pre-record an episode for you guys, so you'll have one up uh, next Sunday. And we will see you guys in two weeks. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you guys coming back. I've been Connor. This has been David. And you've been listening to the podcast that we've entitled, David. What's that smell? You think it again?